Welcome to today's podcast episode, Skin Fashions, Confessions of an Esthetician. Today we are talking about the dirty word of our time, recession. I am choosing not to participate in the current recession, and I'm going to explain why. Now, before I get too deep into the meat of today's episode, I would like to say that I recognize friends and family within my immediate circle are directly impacted by current economic conditions. Um, I'm not undermining any of that, nor am I undermining or unaware of the vast amount of suffering that we have uh, locally in the community, nationally, or globally. And that's not actually what I'm looking to do. What I'm looking to present here today is that there is a mindset around the economic changes, regardless of whether we're in the springtime, the summer, or the winter. And I would like to talk about three pieces um, specifically of this, this particular issue called recession. I have heard debates, you know, are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? And I typically try to stay out of a lot of that conversation. Uh, I try not to listen to too much of it. My message today is really to any of those who have felt a level of anxiety around current economic times um, or those uh, in the past and feel a little bit out of control when either you hear it in the media or you see it with friends and family as people experience it personally or if you experience it yourself. And I have three pieces I would like to touch on. My first message is that you are in the driver's seat. Regardless of how the economic conditions are changing, you are in the driver's seat of your experience within that The second piece I'd like to discuss is that there is something that comes after winter, and we'll dive into that a little bit. Perhaps we're in a winter, perhaps we're in a fall. I guess it depends on who you talk to. And then the third piece that I would like to touch on is that the stock market is on sale, and there's some great things I've learned uh, around that. And so let's talk a little bit about the driver's seat. When you decide you're going to go off into the world, you hop in your car, you are ready, and you have some kind of general idea of where you're going. You probably have a destination. With few exceptions, most of the time when you get in your car, you do have a destination. And why would that be any different than your life? My point here is that you could have an intention I have a particular set of uh, methods that I use to get to this intention, and I'll share that in just a minute. But not having any vision on where your life is going from here to there, in my opinion, and from what I've seen and read, can cause some anxiety and some instability, especially in cases where we start to debate and the big ugly word recession comes up. So um, I will share with you one of the tools I have, and I have many. The one that I tend to find works very well for me is something called the six-phase meditation. And um, this is a, actually I own the book, 
Um, this is a book by Vishen Lakiani, and absolutely adore the message underneath. It is a very simple technique. If it's something that resonates with you, then great. If you have a technique, all the better. Um, find something that works for you. This particular method works for me because it's a culmination of all the things I've always tried to do on a regular basis. And it's 18 minutes and it's guided by vision and and it really helps me do the pieces that I think are important, not just for me visualizing my life, but also with compassion. And uh, he breaks down in the book the benefits of that compassion and and how that looks. And if it sounds just insane that I am talking about compassion during a recession episode, please look into his book. He does talk specifically about how there are personal benefits to the compassion piece which are cool and not really something I had thought about prior to reading his book. That being said, that's a tool. Find your tool, find a way to, to have a vision, but know that you have some control and how you respond to the waves that are being created by any economic condition. The second piece I would like to discuss is, are we in a winter or a fall? And that's a great message something to think about in in a cycle. But my favorite part of that message is what comes after winter? After winter, we have a spring. And I've heard more and more. I've got a quick little side note. Uh, I am a huge fan of Trader Joe's. I do a lot of shopping there. And I have a one woman in particular who I see that she works there. She's worked there since they opened in uh, Littleton, Colorado. And she's a great woman. And I just adore her. About two years ago, right after we were getting out of quarantine, everybody's real uncomfortable and kind of trying to figure out how to move around in the world. And she comes up to me and gives me a big hug. And she's, she says, and I don't know if I'm supposed to do that right now, but I feel like I'm going to give you a hug. And her mentality around it was, I'm going to give you this hug. And the crisis that we're going through right now, internally and externally, is something that we've seen on a regular routine, a regular cycle throughout many, many, many decades. And I absolutely loved that she said that. And actually, that clicked for me. And I thought, you know, two years ago, I thought, I'm going to look into what she just said. And sure enough, if you do the research, look through history in the last century, depending on who defines recession, there have been over a dozen recessions. And yet each time something comes up, it's almost like we get this real uncomfortable mindset of, ew, we don't want to be in this. And no, you don't really want to be in this. But the message that I got from the woman at Trader Joe's and the message that I'm reading, uh, I read a number of books and listened to a number of podcasts that to talk about these cycles. One book in particular is a book called Generations, and it breaks down, it's actually very interesting about the four general personality types of generations and how those move through cycles. Super interesting. It's, it's actually a history, I'm doing air quotes, a history of America through 2069. And it was written, I believe, in the 90s. I think it came out in 1991. I'm not exactly sure about that date, but it, it came out well before 2069. And I thought, if if somebody could give me a heads up 
on what happened in 2020, I will absolutely read the book. And it's a very interesting read. And it talks about the cycles. And the main takeaway that I would like to apply today is that we do go through these different cycles and personalities. And the main point in the book is that different types of conditions and different situations that each generation is exposed to or um, directly influences actually helps to shape that personality of that generation. Super interesting. I had never thought of it that way. And, you know, one little side note, when I was growing up, a woman in her 60s or a man in his 60s was very old, you know, had this different demeanor, you know, I don't know how many of you had grandmas who wore curlers or still do, but had, you know, curlers in their hair and um, very uh, modest dress and kind of this sweet, old, meek personality. And now a 60-year-old woman, in my opinion, and not just because I've matured, but the, the personality of a 60-year-old woman is vastly different than it was 40 years ago. And it's so cool to watch now that I've read that book, it's uh, so interesting to see the generational personality types. But anyway, back to topic, those specific generation types and the lessons that we learn from each generation is based a lot on these different events. And they're very well documented in the book and, and described as different events in our culture and our, within the world will impact and make differences on how these generations change. And the underlying message is really that we go through different phases of comfort and discomfort. And the more I've researched and the more I've read or listened to, you hear that we don't as an individual or as a community, we don't grow in response to stagnation. We grow in response to discomfort. And I've got a quick little side note also. I have a patient who recently came in and her daughter just graduated college. Bless her. This is an uncomfortable time for that. And the the angst that you must feel at 22, 23, going through finishing your college degree, paying potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars for your degree, and then getting out and not being able to find a viable job or a job that you that you like or that is in your your industry. It's got to be tough mentally, uh, especially for for that that age when you can't you can't always see you know that 10 years down the road it, it might be a little blip and um, don't have that 2020 um, sight but in this example I thought man this is what an opportunity she has the discomfort that she has provides such an opportunity for growth and for learning and for getting uncomfortable and then figuring out how to respond and the the confidence that you can gain from that and not saying that everybody would take it to that potential but but there's an opportunity there as as well as a discomfort and and a very scary place and and that I think is really cool and I I actually did experience that I graduated right before 2008 
And that was a scary time to look for a job. And it felt like I was never going to find something. And of course, at the time, it was hundreds of years in my head that it took me to find a, a job. And I, I did end up finding a job. And looking back, I, I want to say it was like 12 weeks maybe, um, of interviews and which is a long time. I don't want to discredit that either, but it, in the grand scheme of things, I, I was fine and it ended up working out. And, um, I hope that's true in this patient's case and, um, and really for anybody looking for a job right now, I hope that's true for you as well. And my heart goes out to you. There's a lot of discomfort in, in this and possibly look to see that there's some opportunity in it as well. So as we go through these cycles, spring, summer, fall, winter, I've heard some debates. Are we, are, are we in a recession? Are we not? And like I said, I try to stay out of that particular debate. But let's think about if we are, you know, and inflation is on the rise and um, just a couple of weeks ago, I know the stock market was pretty down in the dumps and, and, and possibly there's some opportunity in that as well. And I'll touch on that in a minute. But after the discomfort, we grow out into a different path. We don't grow out of stagnation into a different path. We grow out of this discomfort. And I think that's a cool opportunity, something to maybe keep as a mindset when these difficult times arise and when these conditions come up is there there's opportunity in it as well as uncomfortable as it may be and and as dramatic as it may be and the last piece i wanted to touch on um before i get to a little anecdote is uh that the stock market is on sale right now and i heard the coolest thing whenever the stock market dips down there's a lot of anxiety and people start to get real uncomfortable. Like, oh no, you know, the Dow dropped this percentage or, you know, went down this much. And uh, one example I would love to give is that if you went and you researched a car for a year and you were super excited, you really wanted this car, and then you finally go to buy it, hasn't changed in the last year, but it is on sale now, brand new car, half off. Nothing wrong with it. Exactly the same as before. It's just half off. That would be a huge time to celebrate. And yet, when the stock market goes down, it is on sale. Now, I want to take a quick little side step because I know that there are some people in ages that are getting close to or current retirement. And this is a different ballpark for those folks. And I recognize that that, that can be a tough situation. And managing that is not my area of expertise. Um, I have read a number of books about how to do that and whether you find an advisor or whether you do it solo. Or, um, and I have some opinions of that uh, that I won't share today. But apart from that and outside of the retirement age, when the stock market goes down, there is also opportunity in that. And that's a great time to buy. And uh, you'll read numbers of investors who have made these really unsavory choices. You know, people think of them as, oh my gosh, these are crazy ideas. Why would you put so much money into this bizarre stock? And typically you hear that the people who make those choices and the people who thrive in that environment are the ones who see the opportunity in the discomfort. 
everyone else is freaking out and they're selling all their stocks. Maybe with an in some kind of research, maybe step in and say, well, maybe I'll get something or um, look at that as an opportunity to jump in. And like I said, I'm not a financial advisor. This is not my area of expertise, but based on what I'm reading, the same underlying message keeps coming in is that instead of maybe taking that path of anxiety, maybe let's look at it in terms of an opportunity. The stock market went on sale. I uh, just heard today that it, it went up 5%. So it's not as on sale as it, as it was a couple weeks ago. But what a cool opportunity. Actually, the time when I started looking into what does the stock market look like? How do I do the stock market? I'm pretty sure I Googled <laughs> about four weeks ago, how do I do the stock market? And, um, and, and so I am on a path to learning that. So I'm not here to educate anybody <laughs> on how to do the stock market because I am a novice, um, uh, a, a supreme novice in that area. But my underlying message is that there is an opportunity involved and and I think that is so cool. And I think those three pieces for me represent an empowerment in a time when ultimately we feel out of control and really uncomfortable, not specifically in response to recession, but just in you know the last few decades. How, how can we take control of ourselves? And the, the ship might be rocking, but how do we mentally stay grounded in that arena? And those are the points I would like to make on those. And then one last little thing I wanted to say about the stock market before I move on to anecdote is for those who don't feel like they're in a position to look into the stock market because it is so scary and you're just working paycheck to paycheck. Um, I have a great book that I also read, great recommendation from a patient of mine, The Wealthy Barber. That book I do love it because it talks about the new and improved VCR. <laughs> so it's it's a little bit dated, but the, the basics of it are really cool. And they talk about somebody who basically made minimum wage his whole life and how he was able to make a, a living and a retirement out of it. And such a cool idea. So again, underlying message, let's look at something. Let's look at what does it look like in the opportunities that you can find in the discomforts of this particular time or times in the past or in the future. So that being said, I would like to move on and share a quick little anecdote. This particular story comes from many years past. And for anyone who lives in the foothills area around Denver, you know that we get kind of critters and wildlife and we are all sharing the same planet and there just happens to be more critters sharing the, the planet than I had been used to in the past. And I was working at a place, very clean place, very good about managing both cleanliness and, and what we would call vermin. And so I was treating a patient. I used to do real fluffy facials. So, you know, the lights are nice and dark and dim and patients relaxed and I'm doing arm massage and really good facial massage. And out of the corner of my left eye, I see this movement, which is never a good thing. I see something moving on the floor. So I kind of lean over and I look down and sure enough, there is a mouse and it is moving fairly slow. 
And for those of you who are squeamish about animals, I would suggest not listening any further. Listen to the skin tip. That'll be a few minutes down, um, but don't listen to this this particular anecdote. I see this little mouse and he's moving kind of slowly. And it turns out the owners of the business that I was working at had left mouse traps under my bed and I my treatment bed, and I had I didn't know about it. So not only did I not know about it, I didn't know that the trap had caught something. So there was a mouse who had been caught, sweet, sweet thing, and is now trying to escape from under the bed. So I am doing a treatment. I can't alarm the patient, but I also don't know exactly what to do with the mouse. So I need to take care of the mouse, but I can't take care of the mouse and the patient at the same time. So I take a wooden stick. We have wooden sticks for waxing, craft sticks, so you would say. And I take the stick and I push the little mouse in the trap under the bed all the while feeling for this poor little mouse, but also recognizing that I am in a professional environment and I need to make sure that patient is safe and comfortable and we will get everything worked out. Finish treatment on patient, get the patient out of the room without causing alarm. And now there is a mouse that is partially alive under my treatment bed and I have to figure out what to do. I am really the only one to take care of this. So I don't want to see the mouse suffer, which it clearly had already been. And I don't also want to harm any animals. So what do you do? And luckily, I called a friend of mine at the time and said, what the heck? do I do with the mouse that's under the bed? And he guided me through how to, as humanely as possible, help the mouse pass on. And I did that and I checked that off the list. And I would say with almost all certainty that this particular instance taught me a few things uh, about being connected with the environment around you, <laughs> uh, finding opportunity and discomfort, and uh, and also make sure you check under your treatment bed if you're an esthetician to see if your owners have put any mouse traps that may have been triggered. <laughs> um, so that that's my discomfort story for today, and I would love to hear if anybody else has a similar story. I have a couple others that are kind of along that pathway, unfortunately, with all the critters that you get, regardless of how clean the places I've been have been, these stories come up. And uh, I'm going to wrap up real quickly here with a, a skin tip on eye care. I was at a symposium over the weekend and I heard a question, may I use my moisturizer as an eye cream around my eyes? Or is it actually worth paying for an eye cream or are they just gimmicky? Again, I'm doing air quotes because that's the word that, that, that was used in the symposium. And my thoughts here real quick are that you absolutely may use your moisturizer. If it works well for your skin, it most likely will work around your eyes. Please remember that the, the skin around the eyes is the thinnest skin on our body. It does have a tendency to respond. There's certain things that I don't recommend around it. I can go into those later. But 
for all intents and purposes, it is actually acceptable to use your moisturizer around your eyes in most cases. That being said, I don't have very many patients who come to me and say, my eye area is great. I have nothing to change. Let's not do anything about it. That's not a thing. (laughs) Very few people ever in my tenure as an esthetician have come in and said that. So my message would then be, if you want to make changes, look at investing in an eye cream. Eye creams tend to be a little bit more expensive. They are very specifically formulated for that thin skin. They're designed to help with puffiness. There are ingredients out there that look at puffiness, firmness. If you have crepey or sagginess, there are ingredients out there that can substantially help with that. You do need to be consistent with it. Remember, it is a topical, so we're not going to get surgical grade results out of it, but they are unbelievable at helping to maintain eye area. If you ask me from a professional standpoint, when people should add eye creams, I'm going to say in your 20s. Let's put it this way. When my daughter is in her 20s, she will be using an eye cream or I will be helping her get an eye cream. She, she She's allowed to make the choice as she wishes at any point, but I would absolutely encourage eye creams. I have seen huge benefits from some of them. If you need recommendations, I have I have opinions on on what's out there and, and worked personally with a number of different lines, but then also have some opinions on how ingredients work synergistically. So bottom line is, can you use your moisturizer around your eyes? In most cases, yes. Consult a skin professional if you're running into any issues, if you see any flaking or redness, might be something that's in there in your moisturizer. But then There are unbelievable benefits that can come from also using an eye cream properly. And again, something to consult your skincare technician for. And that concludes this episode. I I will leave with one closing thought. I wish an increased level of optimism for each of you and a value in opportunity where there is discomfort. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate all of your time and your attention. And if this is something that resonated with you, please share this episode with somebody. My whole purpose of taking the time to do a podcast is because I really do feel like some of these little messages can make such a profound impact. That to me is a huge win. And I hope that this has resonated with you on some level, be it now or in the future. And if, if that's the case, I would love if you could help that message help somebody else as well. Thank you so much for your time. I wish you a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. 